I mean, it's really the term to me, location independent is really quite simple and it doesn't mean what people might attach to it. Like it really just means you can support yourself financially no matter where you are. Change careers, break into new industries, transition into new roles, reinvent yourself and make the dent you want. This is the Second Breaks podcast. And now here's your host and fellow Second Breaker, Lou Blazer. Hello, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me today. This is episode 24 of the Second Breaks podcast, and it is Tuesday, November 7th, as I record this episode. November, November, where did this year go, right? So anyway, if this is the first time that you are listening to SBP, welcome. I hope you like it, and I hope that you'd want to subscribe to the show. And if you are a returning listener, thank you so much for coming back. I appreciate you. If you haven't yet, I would love to get your review of the podcast in iTunes. This small step helps to get this podcast in front of the people who are looking to make a change and could benefit the most from our guest experiences and our expert insights. So simply go to secondbreaks.com forward slash review, and that link will take you directly to the podcast in iTunes where you can leave your rating and review. Thank you. Now, my guest today is editor Amy Scott, who also happens to be a coach supporting people who would like to live a location-independent lifestyle. You've heard of that phrase before, I'm sure, right? Location-independent lifestyle or or location-independent career. So we're going to get into that uh, and to what all that means today. So Amy is going to share her experiences. Um, She left her day job in the traditional publishing world to take an 11-month sabbatical traveling around the world. And at the conclusion of that experience, you can just imagine that she had little interest returning to work where she'd have to be sitting in a cubicle or in an office 9 to 5 every day, right? It was 2004, and she decided that to make a living, she would begin to offer freelance editorial services, which was what she was doing when she was employed in the publishing company. And she could pretty much do that anywhere, right? And so that's what she did. And fast forward to 2017, and Amy had never looked back. Her location-independent career had taken her all across the U.S., to Argentina and to Mexico, amongst others. Today, in addition to a thriving small business where she offers editorial services to indie publishers, she also offers coaching support to people who are looking to maintain a location-independent lifestyle. In this episode, Amy and I talked about how this nomadic career of hers got started, what location-independent really means, and what should one consider when thinking about adopting such a career or a lifestyle. And full confession here, you know, I'm a writer at heart and an aspiring novelist. So I searched on my writer curiosities as well. I asked Amy about, uh, you know, her thoughts around how and when to hire editors for your writing project. I figured I can't just be me. There's always someone out there who's looking to write their first book, right? So with that, let me transition to my conversation with Amy. And as usual, I will catch up with you at the back end. (laughs) 
Hi, Amy. Welcome to Second Race. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. You know, I am always very excited whenever I talk to someone who is somehow even remotely related or involved in the publishing industry because in my heart I am still the aspiring novelist and I've been known to say that if I were to have a do-over I would convince my, my parents to allow me to study something that would lead to a publishing career which you have Um, And so Mm -hmm. that's why I'm so excited to talk with you. In fact, you had uh, a a career with, you know, the traditional publishing company, corporate offices kind of thing. And then you decided to leave that a few years ago and uh, start your own nomad editorial company. And so maybe um, I was wondering, maybe we could start with that inflection point, Amy, and talk about, you know, what made you decide to do that? What made you want to to leave that traditional corporate, you know, publishing kind of world. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny. Uh, it's been a lot of years, actually. Uh, it was 2004 that mm. I left. So it's been 13 years. <laughs> Crazy. Um, you know, so my last publishing job was at a travel publisher, actually, guidebook publishing company. And so I was, sur- I love to travel. I was surrounded by people who love to travel And one of my job responsibilities was hiring freelance copy editors to work on our books. And we worked with people all over the place. One of the women I worked with a lot was like in Michigan and I was in California. We actually had a freelancer who was also a former employee who lived in Costa Rica and was editing our guidebooks. Mm. So I already had that kind of awareness that there was a possibility to do this kind of work from anywhere. And I think I spent a lot of years just thinking, oh, that would be so cool if I could, you know, be freelance and have that flexibility. But it felt like such a daunting change and not something I ever was like, like, I'm going to do it, you know, let's pursue this. And so the funny thing is, instead, I got really inspired by a crazy idea to quit my job to travel and went on with that. I spent like two years saving money, planning, putting it all together. And um, finally, in 2004, quit my job to take around the world trip and traveled for about nine months. So it wasn't, um, it wasn't actually a direct transition to the freelance business. And I didn't know what I was going to do after Mm. that trip was over. But um, it was a great experience. And I really just wanted to continue the adventure at that point. And I, again, knew already that there were people who did what I did and could do it from anywhere. And I thought, okay, well, I don't have anything to lose at this point. I already don't have a job. Um, You know, might as well just give it a shot and see how it goes. And so in August of 2015, or sorry, 2005, I put, um, you know, basically contacted everybody I knew in publishing and said, I'm back. I am now working for myself. Please hire me. And that was 12 years ago. Wow. And I want to, I want to, uh, dig deeper into that, uh, location independent type thing. Cause I think that's another juicy topic that we could talk about. But just going back to that, so so the, your first uh, you, your first decision was just to kind of travel the world and see different things, and then and then you decided let me not uh, let me not go back to mm-hmm. the cubicle or to the four walls in an office kind of thing anymore. Exactly. Yeah. 
And it's funny because, you know, all that time I spent saving money, you know, there are people who save that money just to have a cushion so then they can start freelancing and feel like, you know, they have some stability and some security. But I took all that money and traveled instead. (laughs) (laughs) And then, yeah, I imagined, you know, it was maybe... Actually, I think altogether it was about 11 months without working. And then it was like, well, I can't go back to an office. Like, what would that be like? Might as well at least try, you know, to do my own thing. So, yeah. So where did you first, where did you land? Like, you know, your first sort of, this is going to be my home away from home kind of thingy. Yeah. Well, actually, it's a long, completely other story. <laughs> but um, at, by the time I got back and was ready to kind of settle down and get this business sorted out, um, I was mm-hmm. dating a guy who lived in LA. So I moved to LA. Mm. Um, and yeah, you know, found a place to live and started working out of my bedroom. <laughs> and um, long story short, I ended up breaking up with him and thought, why am I in LA? So then I did a road trip across the country working as I went and uh, landed back on the East Coast where I'm from and basically started plotting my next move, which ended up being a move to Buenos Aires, Argentina, a couple of years later. Yeah. Was that your first uh, attempt? Not attempt. It was for real uh, foray into freelancing or starting your own business. Yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. So what were the, to remember sort of what were the, the, the bigger sort of challenges that you faced initially once, you know, once you've made that decision to take the leap? Yeah. Well, I think in my case, because I was moving into something that, you know, I already had the skills and I had the contacts. So getting the work wasn't as much of a challenge for me as it sometimes can be for people. Um, For me, it was more kind of setting up the systems and stuff because I knew that, like I said, I knew that I wanted to be able to take this work with me anywhere. And I was coming from an office and as many offices are very paper-based, right? Like we had so much documentation on paper. And when we, when I started, I immediately went to the way I knew how to do things, right? So like I was printing out timesheets for myself. I was printing out style guides for my clients. Um, I remember, and I think part of it too was this kind of like, I'm in business. So I like bought a file cabinet, you know, and like put my files in it. So it was, you know, I just kind of naturally went that down that path and then fairly quickly, luckily realized that, well, that's not really going to work. You know, I need to find a way to make this have more digital systems and paperless systems. So I'll be able to travel. Um, were you initially contracting with the companies that you used to work with the company or were you directly working with, with writers, with editors or. Yeah. When I started, because all my contacts were in traditional publishing companies, those were my clients. And, um, as I tried to branch out, I was looking for more of the same kind of work. So very typical freelance situation where, you know, I was on their list of copy editors and proofreaders and they would contact me about a job and say, okay, you know, here's the job. This is how much it pays. This is how long you have. And I just could say yes or no. (laughs) Um, which was fine, but um, I really had, I, when I worked in the office, I had a lot of direct contact with the authors because I was like, you know, the I was the person between 
between the copy editor and the author. Um, and, you know, helping the author through the whole process. And I missed that piece of it. I missed the collaboration. Yes. And um, this was happening, my kind of getting started on my own, really kind of coincidentally tied in with a lot of the developments in self-publishing. And so after a few years, I started to realize, oh, there's all these people who are publishing books themselves. You know, now it's really easy on Kindle and Amazon and all these things. Um, And so then I thought... I bet if I connect with the right people that I could work directly with those authors, because obviously if you don't work with a publishing company, um, you have to find your own editor. (laughs) So then I started a transition to work directly with authors. And that's been, I'd say probably the last five years um, has really, I started to make the shift like five or six years ago. And now, um, yeah, most of my clients are self-publishing nonfiction books. So now you mentioned uh, you work a lot with indie authors nowadays. Uh, what might you say to someone who's looking to work on, you know, their first novel or their first book? Um, is is traditional looking for a traditional publishing deal really all dead now? And should we just be forgetting about that? And should we just be focusing on self-publishing? Well, I, you know, I don't know if it's maybe a little different for fiction than for nonfiction. I'm obviously more focused on the fiction or the nonfiction side of it. So I can speak to that. But I think that it really depends what you're looking for. You know, some people, whether they're writing nonfiction or fiction, have just always had that dream of having like the real publishing deal. Yes. And if that's something that you feel strongly about, like, you know, why not pursue it? Um, and it's also something to look at in terms of your own personal budget, because obviously publishing yourself, you spend, you're spending your own money on, you know, designing the book and getting it edited and all of those things. Um, also depends the timeline you're on because self-publishing, you can basically do it as fast as you want, right? Um, you have complete control over the timeline, Whereas most cases in traditional publishing, especially for nonfiction, it's, I'd say, typically a year from the time you sign a contract until the book actually comes out. And maybe plus the time it takes to find the the publisher, right? So if you don't want it to take that long, that's definitely something to consider as well. Right. Um, I had a conversation with another editor, Brenda Peregrine. Um, she had talked about how, from a technology perspective, it's a lot easier now for uh, for authors to be um, independently published from, say, compared to, I don't know, 15 years ago, um, where, you know, it, the technology and the tools are just a little bit too, either too difficult or too cost prohibitive to take on by yourself. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, it, it's, yeah, it's easy to handle a lot of it yourself if you want to. And then obviously, there's also lots of independent contractors who are available to handle different pieces of the process um, if you can't or don't want to handle it yourself. Yeah. So uh, you were mentioning something about, you know, independent contractors who are, there's now uh, marketplaces available out there uh, where we could find independent contractors to help us with our written project, right? With our writing project. I know that one of the things that's really a must for writers uh, is hiring an editor, right? So for someone who is maybe 
thinking about or in the process of drafting their first book and has never ever hired an editor or worked with an editor mm-hmm. before what should they how they should they go about it like uh, when should they be looking should they wait until they're done should they start looking for for someone now so kind of give us your like tips for mm-hmm. hiring or looking for your first editor to work with sure so um there are a couple different pieces i think it's useful to consider one is um what you think you need support with you know some people get kind of stuck fairly early in the in the writing process right and they maybe need help kind of structuring their ideas figuring out if they're on the right track um and if that's your situation you might want to hire someone sooner rather than later um maybe mm. you have no problem just you know getting it all out um and want someone to then come in later in the process and look at just kind of tightening it up polishing your writing um, you know, working on punctuation and phrasing and all of that stuff, um, in which case, you know, that would be later in the process. And of course, that both of those factors also depend on your budget. You know, if you recognize that maybe you don't have the budget to have someone um, help with various phases, then you might just want to pick, okay, when am I going to really need some help the most and focus? Because sometimes I work with people um, providing kind of an earlier for more big picture, um, like manuscript review and feedback. And then they go work on it some more based on my suggestions. And then they come back and we do copy editing. Um, but obviously that costs more, you know, so some people say, well, I don't quite have the budget for that. So maybe I'll just come when I'm ready for copy editing, um, or even proofreading, which is more just those really, um, kind of last minute, just making sure there's no typos or anything. Oh, the one other thing I was going to say also that makes a difference is to think about if you have your heart set on working with someone in particular, you know, say you come across someone online or a friend recommends somebody or whatever, um, it's possible that that person is busy and you might need to, you know, have some advanced planning to be able to get on their schedule. So that's mm-hmm. one other piece you might want to think about is even if you're still in the writing process, but thinking, okay, I'm definitely going to have this done in two months or six months or whatever. Um, you might want to reach out to someone and find out what their availability is Mm -hmm. and find out how soon you would need to, um, you know, pay a deposit or however they handle it so you can get on their calendar. Mm -hmm. So I guess this is probably one of those things that if you were working with a publisher a traditional publisher you don't have to worry about because the tradition the the publishing company will provide you with the with the editors and the book designers and all these you know uh all the 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 things that make the book look like the book that (laughs) that you end up reading right exactly is it customary to chat with an editor first before committing to a contract like how do you how do you get comfortable with a new editor that you've never ever worked with and you just maybe landed on their website for example and yeah like their copy <laughs> right you know I I guess I don't know it's customary I can speak to how it works with me and my clients um I have definitely worked with people that I have never spoken to we will go through like the entire editing process without ever speaking um you know on the phone Um, so sometimes people don't feel they need that. Um, and other times, yeah, it's very clear that I'm not going to get hired unless, you know, we hop on the phone, um, cause they need to have that, that, um, kind of, yeah, get to know each other a little bit. 
Um, but the piece that I think is super helpful when, you know, you can talk to someone and obviously gives you a sense of their personality and you can ask them questions. But what I recommend people do is ask the editor to do a sample edit on a piece of your own writing. And so there are some editors who will, you know, like might have samples on their website or something, but I find everyone's writing is so different. And I think it's really helpful to see what an editor would actually do with your writing, right? And see, oh, wow, okay, that's, you know, these are the kinds of things that they can help address. And you might see things you didn't even realize (laughs) needed to be addressed. So I offer a free sample edit. um, And I most editors that I'm aware of do. Um, So I think that's a really good way to just get a feel for their style and how they're going to approach your writing. Um, And if you send a a sample to several editors, I recommend send them the exact same text because then you can really compare, right? You can see, oh, that's interesting. This person changed that, you know, said something in this paragraph and that person didn't. So it is amazing the differences um, there can be between editors. So that's one of the best ways to see. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay, good. Those are good tips. All right. So changing gears for a second and then going back to, you know, what we were talking about earlier with the location independent sort of work lifestyle. Could you maybe, you know, you, you obviously have a, a, a unique perspective around this because you are living it, you are doing it, you have been doing it for a while. So could you maybe talk a little bit about, you know, what, what exactly is location independent? What does that mean? And is it is it real? Like, is it a real way of making a living? Because, you know, we we see these things on the interwebs and we're never sure, like, is this a, is this a hype something or what is this? Right, right. Well, there could certainly be hype, you know, in any industry. Um, and I don't think the, you know, make money online world is exempt in any way. Um, but yeah, it's absolutely a thing. Obviously, I'm doing it. <laughs> and um And we didn't even talk about that. I had a bit of another career transition that I'm now certified as a coach. And I also help people who want to be location independent. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's something that, I mean, it's really the term to me, location independent is really quite simple and it doesn't mean what people might attach to it. Like it really just means you can support yourself financially, no matter where you are. Right. So a lot of people who work online, like say you're a coach or you're a web designer or you're a developer or you're, uh, trying to think of something a little bit more unusual or you're like not unusual, but if you're, uh, like maybe you're a marketing consultant, whatever it might be, Mm -hmm. if you work at home and work with clients, you know, like on Skype or via email, et cetera, you don't have to be where you are right now in order Mm. to do that work and to make money. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, that's really all location independent means. And, Mm -hmm. um, then what, so then that basically gives you the freedom to choose your location. There are some people who are technically location independent, but it doesn't change their life at all, right? Like they like where they live and and everything's fine. And right. but I also find it can make it just it gives you so much flexibility. That's really what mm-hmm. I like about it. And you can really make it what you want it to be. Um, I know people who 
for example, say they have a spouse who, you know, their work takes them all over the place, or maybe their spouse is in the military, or maybe they just, you know, have to move frequently. Well, if you, um, as the, you know, the other partner has work that you can do from anywhere, then that's not going to affect you. You're not going to have to look for a new job or start over every time you have to change locations for your partner's job. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I've also had situations where, you know, like my parents moved a couple years ago and there was obviously, you know, 30 years in the same house. So there was a lot to handle to downsize and move them a couple states away. And I was able to be there for, I think I was there probably at least a month, you know, helping like sell stuff and pack up and get organized. But I kept working at the same time. Right. You didn't have to take vacation days or something like exactly. that to do that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so I like to point out that, you know, yes, I travel a lot. I've lived in other countries, um, but, but that it doesn't have to mean that, right? It can right. really be whatever you want it to be. Thank you for that, because I think the 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 sexy notion of location independent that people who are in traditional corporate wall, you know, walled offices and cubicles yeah. is this idea that they work on the beach, by the beach, near the beach, or <laughs> or they travel and feed, you know, work in Fiji or Thailand or, you know, Costa Rica right. or, but to your point, it just means that you are not tied to a particular location or an office that you have to go to every day. And to your point that you could continue to make a living mm-hmm. uh, without having to be in one specific fake location. So exactly. that is a yeah. more practical way of looking at it. And it sounds more doable because the, the other question I was going to ask is related to that live by the beach, work by the mm-hmm. beach kind of image is that, and the, and the question that I get asked sometimes is that how do people make a living if they're continuing to <laughs> travel all the time? Right? And right. so, and that's why they were saying it's, that's just something that's that, you know, we see on the internet, but it's not real because how can you make a living if you're traveling all the time? Yeah. Well, there are ways. Um, I mean, I know people, for example, who manage or who own, um, property that they rent out, right? So their income comes from rental properties or there are people who create, um, online products that they then sell via the internet that don't, you know, there's definitely different, um, what's the word kind of, you know, there's variations in how much of your hands-on attention something needs. Um, And I also like to have a variety of income streams, right? So now I have my editing, I have, uh, which is the most hands-on, and then I have coaching, and then I have some online courses. I have a rental property in Buenos Aires. So there's, you know, money coming in from a lot of different places. And so, you know, for a lot of people, the ideal scenario is, to have some ways that you still have money coming in, even if you don't have the time to sit down at your desk every single day. But yes, there is a lot of hype out there around all of that. And it's definitely not something that happens overnight. (laughs) It can take a long time to really set everything up. And so you do have something that runs that way. Yeah. Right. And so if you were talking to someone who, uh, you know, or coaching someone or uh, who is, perhaps working in a traditional office mm-hmm. situation with a, you know, where they're tied to that location and there's probably not, uh, there's no opportunity to, to, uh, 
uh, telecommute, right? Right. So it's it's a situation where you know they have to be in the office, you know, eight to eight to six as it goes these days. <laughs> so uh, where should they start? Like if they're thinking of um, you know pursuing this or exploring if this is something for them, where could they start or how should they go about it without mm-hmm. you know? I guess the dip the toes type of situation to see if they're even going to like that sort of lifestyle. Well, I mean, I think there's two pieces of it. There's the lifestyle in terms of, you know, traveling and things like that. And then there's the lifestyle in terms of working for yourself, which, um, you know, can, can have its, can have the same challenges no matter where you are um, and how much you're traveling or not. So I think, I mean, I think that's really the first thing to look at is, are you the kind of person who is, um, you know, motivated enough, focused enough that you can actually be at home by yourself, be at home, wherever home might be, right? And get work done. Because I know there are people who struggle with that. Exactly. Yeah. That you're not going to, you're not going to watch Netflix all day long. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, and it's definitely, there's so many, you know, competing, um, priorities and, you know, opportunities when you're at home. And, um, for me, it's always been useful just to remind myself that, you know, at some point, if I stop working, like the money's going to run out, right? Like, yes. And and for me, that keeps me motivated. (laughs) You know, even if, even if like on a given afternoon, it can be maybe a challenge to like really sit down and get to work. But in the big picture, you know, I'm motivated to make this work because I want to continue this lifestyle. I don't want to go back to an office. I'm like, this has to work one way or another. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so to start thinking about what does it take to work for yourself? Of course, another option, as you mentioned, can be telecommuting or working remotely there are more and more opportunities like that popping up now. Um, but, but even then, I mean, you do have those external you know, expectations yes, yeah. and deadlines, but you're still home by yourself a lot of the time. And again, you've still got to be able to focus and get it done. So I feel like that's the place to start, um, even beyond thinking like, you know, wow, if I could travel the world, what would that be like? You know, it's like, but okay. You're going to have to sit down at some point and make money one way or another. Um, Right. And setting all of that up, um, deciding if it's for you and then deciding, you know, what project or business you want to pursue and getting that in place. You know, there's a lot of stuff out there these days about side hustles and all of these things. So like getting something up and running or having savings. So you already have kind of that leg up when you do quit your job. You know, you know what I found surprising, and it was surprising because uh, I am an introvert, like hardcore uh, introvert. And so when I decided to do this thing where I work from home primarily, I thought it was like, woohoo, work from home, you know, the best, right? But I found that I missed actually collaborating with people, which, you know, Mm -hmm. I, that was one of the first things that surprised me because like I said, I was a, I'm an INTJ hardcore INTJ. So I was like, so that was one of the first things that I thought like, wow, I actually, you know, I miss that collaborative Mm -hmm. sort of uh, nature. And then also, I guess, 
when you go to an office all the time, relationships with colleagues are are easier because you see each other every day. You, you so you form relationships very easier or quicker, I suppose, mm-hmm. right? And so when you are, you know, either traveling all the time uh, because you are that kind of lifestyle is what you want, right? Or you're just, you know, working from home is that it, you have to be more deliberate about creating relationships because mm-hmm. there won't be any <laughs> unless yeah. you go out of your way, right? So I wonder, you know, uh, if that's been your your um, your experience as well. I don't know. Are you an extrovert, um, Amy? You're kind of, is that easy for yeah, you to kind of think- do? I'm, uh, I would say I'm an extroverted introvert. (laughs) Um, I'm an ENFP actually, but I'm like very close to the middle between E and I. Um, so yeah, I definitely, it doesn't phase me at all to spend, you know, all day at home by myself or with my husband as the case may be. He also works at home. Uh, but yeah, especially in the early days, um, when I was by myself in particular, I remember, well, and because I had just come out of that experience of like, you can pop your head over the cubicle and like ask your neighbor a question and stuff. And, uh, and so I actually reached out to um, a fellow editor who was also freelancing at the time. And then another friend who was a web developer, but also freelance. And we had our little, this was, you know, years ago. So uh, we were using like, Yahoo or MSN or some kind of chat, you know, and so we just would check in with each other throughout the day. Or if I had a question about editing, I would ping my editor friend. Um, And that replaced a bit of that feeling. I mean, obviously, it's, it's not the same as in person. But um, that I think that kind of thing can be really helpful. And of course, now there's so many other tools that you can use um, to stay connected. And then there's also co working spaces, there's, you know, networking groups and meetups and things like that, or even just going to a coffee shop, which I do sometimes, um, just to, you know, get out of the house and have some, uh, some human interaction, but yeah, it's kind of finding what works for you. Um, or even just making a point, you know, some people don't, don't want to have lots of phone calls and they're much happier just, you know, like being on their computer and doing their work. And, um, other people, they feel like they could use some more of that interaction. And so you can set up your work in a way that you do more calls and you have more um, interaction with people throughout the day. Yeah. Sometimes I find myself like I, I just work in a, like a cafe or the public library just so that there are people, other people walking around me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. And just to get out of the house because yes. like I didn't leave the house for at least two days this week. And then I'm like, hmm. I should probably go out and get some air. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Did I read somewhere, Amy, that you're either about to launch or you've just launched some kind of um, uh, a community Mm -hmm. for independent, uh, location independent people? Yeah, I, uh, so it started out, I will have a Facebook group. Um, which I've okay. had for about five years. That's free for anybody to join. And then I've done a couple courses over the years. And I decided that so much of the, so many of the questions that people have and the connections that they want to make, it's really like just kind of 
real time, like whatever they're struggling with in the moment, instead of, you know, like going through modules in a course on a specific timeline or something. Um, so yeah, I've now, uh, we're kind of in the startup charter phase of this community that, um, yeah, is for people who, the way I'm kind of phrasing it is that, um, you want to take your life and business on the road. Um, although actually, now that I think about it, it's not quite that because as we said, you don't necessarily have to go anywhere, but it's more focused on the lifestyle piece and mm-hmm. a little less on, you know, like the business piece of it. Um, because obviously gotcha. a lot of the questions about running a business are the same for everybody, whether you're traveling or not. And so my community is more focused on, you know, talking about like, should I have a home base or not? And, you know, do I need a visa to go to whatever country? And, um, you know, how am I going to focus on my business goals and travel at the same time or things like that? So yeah, it's going great. So gotcha, gotcha. Well, where can people find out more about that and about you on the interwebs? Where can people find you? So my editing work is at Mm nomadeditorial.com. And then the website for the location independent stuff is called Nomadtopia. So nomad, T-O-P-I-A. And um, I have a podcast also, Nomadtopia Radio. And uh, actually, I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, yes. So yeah, that's part of how I get my interaction also. And um, the the uh, community we were just talking about is not open to for public registration yet. Um, so there's okay. It's, like you go to my website and you would not know it exists. <laughs> but for now, you can go to the Facebook group, which is just the Nomadtopia community. You can search for them. Facebook request to join. Obviously, I'll be letting people know um, when it's time to join the other group. So yeah, I'm really excited. Oh, cool beans. That's good. All right. Final question, yeah. Amy. You know, I, I've no doubt that you read a lot, a lot, a lot of books. What's a good book that you've read recently that <sighs> you wouldn't mind recommending? It doesn't matter There's if it's fiction so many. or fiction. There's so many. Well, I guess I'll just start with the ones that I'm reading right this minute. Um, I'm reading a nonfiction memoir. Uh, what's it called? I think it's called West with the Wind or West in the Wind. Probably with the Wind. <laughs> um, it's by a woman named Beryl Markham who was a pilot in Africa, like in the 1930s. So like a total badass, you know, like very independent woman back in the day. Um, yeah, a friend just recommended it to me and there's actually a new, fairly new novel called, um, circling the sun, which is about Beryl Markham. And I actually had just downloaded the Kindle novel. And then my friend said, well, there was a memoir. And I thought, well, I'd rather just, you know, maybe I'd rather just hear her story from her directly instead of reading the novel. Yeah. So that's the, um, that's kind of the fun well, they're all fun, but you know, I often find like, I can't read like a business book before I go to sleep. Cause I just get full of ideas. <laughs> so yeah. So I've usually got like fiction or a memoir or something like that. That's kind of for winding down later in the evening. Um, and then I usually have some kind of business or, you know, self-help, like some other kind of thing I've got going on. So I'm reading, um, how the world sees you by Sally Hogshead. Yes. yes. Yeah, that's a very good book. Yeah, yes, and I yes, took yes. The, her test, the fascination advantage test, a couple of years ago and didn't realize that, which was helpful, but I didn't realize there was a whole book around it. So someone uh, just recommended the book, and so I'm reading that one too. 
Do you remember which one you were when you took the, yes. the thing? I'm the trendsetter. The trendsetter. Yeah, okay. it's innovation and prestige. Okay, I am the veiled strength, which is power and mystique, I think. I just remember the, uh, whatever we call it, the, the profile the name. Yeah. Yes, yes, it's interesting, right? It is, yeah. And especially, I'm starting to think about um, hiring a team and thinking about, this is something people talk about, is like bringing people onto your team that um, complement your... Yes. Whether it's, you know, looking at Myers-Briggs or any kinds of these, you know, assessments, looking at people who can bring another complementary thing to your, to your work. So, yeah. And in the book, there's a lot of it that applies to, um, you know, to office culture, to corporate culture. So it's not necessarily something just for, you know, if you're working for yourself or hiring your own team. Well, Amy, this has been fantastic. This is, as I said in the beginning, it's such a treat for me to be talking to anybody who's in the publishing world. So I, I know I was a bit indulgent in the beginning, asking lots and lots <laughs> of writer type questions, but I know that there is always there are always people who want to write a book. So I know that there's someone who's going to listen to this and is going to go, oh, that's what I need to do. So thank you for sharing your experience, your insight, yeah. and your story with us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. That's a wrap for today's episode, my friends. You can find the show notes with links to all the relevant resources at secondbreaks.com episode 24. You can leave a comment there. You can ask a question of Amy about location-independent careers or lifestyle or, you know, about your first book that you want to write. I'm sure she would love to answer your questions. Or you can ask me anything as well. Uh, you can tweet me at Second Breaks or you can even send me an email, lou at secondbreaks.com. I would love to hear from you. I'd love to start a conversation with you, actually. We've also got a pretty good backlist of episodes now. You can download past episodes in Apple Podcasts or Google Play, or even better, subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast so you won't ever have to miss any of the future episodes ever again. I will be back next week with a new guest to inspire you and keep those juices flowing to motivate you so that you can start planning your own career move. Till then, my friend, keep on making your dance. Cool beans. This is the Second Breaks Podcast. 